Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Here at the Ranger Report Podcast, we only represent products we believe in. As you've heard over the past year plus, we've been running our Walton's commercial. I've been using Walton's products for a long time now, and let me tell you, they're some of the best seasonings I've ever used. One of my staples to make at my house are pork chops, and their ultimate pork chop and roast rub has gotten more compliments than anything that I've ever used. For burgers, their better burger seasoning is delicious, and I only use that on my burgers. Again, tons of compliments. They have all kind of seasonings that you can imagine. They have barbecue sauce and the thick kind not the watery kind at all if you're into wild game they have seasons and rubs for that as well don't forget their line of sausage casings and all the tools to make your own meat products from sausage and jerky to grinders and more walton's really is a one-stop shop for everything but the meat if you like tips and tricks and videos on how to do a whole lot of things when it comes to cooking then you should go to www.meatgistics.com go to www.waltonsinc.com today and start shopping and tell them the ranger report podcast sent you walton's everything but the meat the ranger report yeah the ranger report Inside Scoop. Listen to the Ranger Report. Oh, here we go. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. All right, everybody, welcome to the Ranger Report podcast. We are joined today by Rangers broadcaster Eric Nadell. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing really, really good. I figured we'd start off with the most obvious one that has just happened. Uh, what are your thoughts? And you were there, of course, in 2010 when he beat us for the World Series. But what are your thoughts on the Bruce Bochy signing? Well, I was really pleasantly surprised that Bruce wanted the job. Uh, I know that his retirement was largely health-related and not because he was just tired of managing. But I really felt that if he came back, he would come back to a team that was already in a winning position you know, not a team in a rebuilding situation. So uh, it's very encouraging to me that uh, Chris Young uh, and the Ranger owners were able to show Bruce Bochy that uh, the Rangers are not that far away from being a winning team or else I don't think he would have taken the job. But he's an incredible manager. 
And uh, I've met him a couple of times, but I don't really know him. And I'm looking forward to getting a chance to meet with him on a daily basis and, and get to know him. Yeah, we we talked to Taylor Hearn last week, and he said that uh, the biggest shock that he, uh, the biggest draw that he got from him was he's actually he's almost as tall as I am. He's like, <laughs> no, most managers aren't as tall as as I am, and he said I heard everything he was saying, but I was just shocked at how tall he was. Yeah, and a, and the former catcher too. You know, back when he was playing, there weren't very many catchers who you know went six four, six five. That was pretty yeah. unusual. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the job that Tony Beasley did, and and. Um, I, I know we as fans and, and guys that cover the team that we hope that that he's retained. You know, Tony Beasley's a beacon of of light, I think. And I think he did a great job with what he had, you know, and um, difficult situation with, you know, Woodward, you know, getting fired. And then John Daniels, what was it, a week later getting fired. And, you know, he did the best that he could with what he had. And, and uh, we talked to Hicksie. What was it like a week or two after after Ben and and Hicksie said uh, it's been a long time coming for Beasley to get this opportunity. So just kind of talk about, you know, how you think Tony Beasley did uh, in that interim role. Yeah, given the circumstances, I think he was um, really successful in bringing the team together uh, and making sure the guys were in the right frame of mind to play. You know, unfortunately, they just didn't have enough pitching. Right. Uh, it mattered who the manager was going to be over those last two months of the season. You know, they weren't going to win more than they lost because they just didn't have good enough pitching. But I think Tony did a good job. I think he basically won the respect of everybody as a manager. You know, they, he already had their respect, you know, both as a coach and as a person. Uh, and in the Rangers have said that Tony will be on Bruce Bochy's coaching staff. Good. good. So I'm, I'm confident that, you know, he'll still be there and, you know, it was a tough act to follow in that Chris Woodward was really beloved by both the, the players and the media and everybody around the Rangers. There aren't many guys who could have taken over as the interim manager uh, and had that sort of love and respect immediately from everybody surrounding the team. But uh, Tony is the one guy you know, who certainly commanded that same sort of admiration and respect. I loved, loved watching him. Uh... They they put it on YouTube. The Rangers did uh, him singing "Happy Birthday" to Robin and and Taylor. <laughs> that was neat. <laughs> yeah, he's a guy, a great guy. Can, that guy can sing. He can sing. Yeah. Yeah, he did the national anthem. Was that last year? I think one at one game, and man, it was really good. Yeah, and um, you know there were days back in the my early days of doing the Rangers where you'd see players occasionally sing the national anthem. <laughs> I had Nelson Bryles did it a couple of times uh, and some guys on other teams too, but uh, you just don't see that anymore. So to have seen Tony get a chance to do it and, and nail it the way that he did was fantastic. <laughs> All right. So let's move to some of the Rangers big signings from the beginning of last year. Of course, everybody said that Simeon and Seager were a bust, you know, two weeks into the season and, uh, you know, Martin Perez, wow, what a signing that turned out to be. But kind of what are your thoughts on, I mean, obviously John we don't Gray. think are a bust. They, they've been, I mean, Simeon finished the season really strong. But what are kind of your thoughts on, yeah, John Gray, Simeon Seeger, Martin Perez? I mean, how do you think they, they did for what the Rangers got them for? Well, Perez was a steal, as it turned yeah. out. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, whether the Rangers can re-sign him or not, uh, I think has to be the first priority right now in the off season, but uh, that was an incredible signing. 
I think the John Gray signing certainly lived up to expectations in terms of his performance. You know, unfortunately, you know, part of his history is frequently injured. And that was the case again this year with three different stints on the injured list for three different reasons. So um, I guess you'd have to say ultimately uh, it was somewhat disappointing because he, you know, he only made about two thirds of his starts. Yeah, the best, of, um, best clearly, ability is availability, right? Yeah, but clearly he showed, you know, he's a very effective pitcher when you yes. can get him to the mound. Uh, Simeon had a horrible first month, and after that, for me, you know, he played at an all-star level, both offensively and defensively. You know, I, I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, Andres Jimenez was a clear choice for the gold glove at second base, but I think Marcus was probably a pretty strong second. I know he was officially a finalist, but to me – he did play gold glove caliber defense from May on, which was surprising to us because he was pretty horrible defensively in April. You know, in addition to not hitting, you know, it clearly affected him in the field too. Um, as for Seeger, that that's the tough one because I don't think he ever played defensively as well as we thought he would and expected him to. We knew he wasn't a gold glover at short, but honestly, I I thought he was better than the way he played this year. Um, Offensively, the numbers are respectable, a little better than respectable. I was a little disappointed by maybe the, the clutch hitting, the the lack of big hits late, late in games uh, that you would have expected more of, I guess. But um, overall, you know, for me, I'd say he was a mild disappointment, but with lots of years left on the contract to, you know, yeah. do that. Just a few, like nine, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to Martin. Um, obviously, that seems to be a priority for them uh, to, to number one, get him re-signed. Uh, it just, you never know with these things. You just never know, uh, especially with, with guys coming off of a, a, a really a career year for, for Martin and the money that's going to be out there and the teams that are going to be willing to throw that money out there for a veteran pitcher. Uh, that are contending. So, I mean, what are your thoughts and, and chances of him, you know, returning to Texas next year? I really don't know. You know, I, I would assume the Rangers are going to issue the qualifying offer, you know, assuming they don't get him signed, you know, within the next uh, few days um, that they'll issue the qualifying offer. And then he'll just have to see what sort of offers are out there for multi-year deals and determine whether one of them is makes more sense than accepting the 18 or $19 million that he would make on a one-year deal as the qualifying offer. You know, I think there are probably still a lot of teams uh, that look at Martin with some level of suspicion. Um, this is the first time he's ever put a full season together, you know, of outstanding pitching. And I, I don't know that uh, there are that many general managers in baseball who fully trust Martin to be the guy that you want pitching when your season's on the line in the playoffs. And, you know, that's, you know, that's going to be a factor in the sort of offers that he gets, especially from good teams. Well, and do you think that his performance this year could have been like his, you know, his experience of going to different teams and then coming, you know, back to where he's comfortable? Do you think that was kind of maybe a microcosm you know, him, his comfort level with being back in Texas that maybe helped his, his, his performance this year? Certainly possible. Definitely. Um, it's hard to explain, you know, did, 
Did the Ranger pitching coaches have something to do with the fact that his command this year was so much better than it had been in previous years? You know, that when he missed, he almost always missed just off the plate and not down the middle, which had happened to him in past years. Um, definitely the maturity factor was uh, important. The fact that he he wouldn't blow up when things started going badly. And, you know, he wouldn't completely unravel once a run scored. You know, it wouldn't become two or three or four runs the way it had frequently in past years. But, you know, maybe that maturity had a lot to do with feeling more comfortable being back in Texas. It's a good question. But, you know, I would think for Martin, uh, having demonstrated that he's comfortable pitching in our ballpark, uh, you know, and being a part of the Rangers organization, uh, if I were him, I'd prefer coming back. But again, you know, if the money's out there for a big multi-year deal, it's going to be hard to turn down. Right. I agree with you 100%. All right. Well, you didn't get to see much of him. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Josh Young? Of course, coming back a lot quicker than everyone thought he would from his injury. And going forward, do you think he's going to get that shot next year? Or do you think he has to earn being the starting third baseman in 2023? No, I don't think he has to earn it, Ben. I think it's his job. I'd be shocked if it's not. And I think it was much too small a sample to be able to evaluate. Um, clearly, he can do some damage. You know, that that became obvious. But whether he's a guy, you know, who's going to hit 25 to 30 home runs and bat 200, or a guy who's going to hit 25 to 30 home runs and hit 250 to 280 remains to be seen. But I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be a guy who's going to hit 25 to 30 home runs. It's the rest of the package, I think, that you know, we need to wait on. Yeah, and the defensive aspect as well, because he hadn't actually had much work in the field. Uh, he played, uh, he hit DH uh, a lot of the time when uh, he was coming back from those injuries the past couple years. So, uh, yeah, getting him in the field and seeing what he can do in the field is is another another uh, big aspect, wouldn't you think? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, he looked good out there. Um, didn't look like a guy who's going to hurt you defensively. But, yeah, I just don't think there was a really a big enough sample to, to grade him out, you know, as a defensive third baseman. Gotcha. And there's uh, – so I'm going to follow with the you – know, we talked about pitching earlier. There wasn't enough pitching. Uh, so the you would imagine the Rangers would make some moves to, you know, push forward and, and go get some pitching, whether it's signing. And I think it's likely going to happen more with trades, with the prospects that, that – the Rangers have and some guys that have, you know, that are major league players that have, uh, they're not even arbitration eligible. So there's some guys that we fell in love with this year, both in the major leagues and the minor leagues who might be used to, to bring in, you know, a name. Uh, so give me your thoughts on that. Uh, it, this is the, to me, it's the, the most stocked the Rangers farm system's been, I mean, since I've been alive. <laughs> so, um, I just, I just want to get your thoughts on it and, uh, will they, do you see them utilizing some of those prospects to, to, to bring in a haul or two? I think they'll try, you know, it's all conjecture as to what sort of deals might be out there. You know, which of those guys and how many of those guys uh, are you going to have to include in deal to get a guy who's already a proven top level major league starting pitcher? You know, like you say, there's so many of those guys you fell in love with. You know, there's Bubba and there's Duran and there's Josh Smith. 
uh, Leone Tavares would be certainly in that conversation. You know, Sam Huff, yeah. a lot of guys who you certainly can't consider untouchable that might be the building blocks for a trade like that. Yeah, and then you look at Justin Fox. They're out there. You really don't know whether it makes sense to make a deal like that. And until you start talking to people like those free agent pitchers, regardless of which ones it is, you know, whether it's the the super high level ones, the DeGroms and the Verlanders or the lower level ones like uh, Chris Bassett and Noah Syndergaard and all the rest of it, until you see what, what it's going to take to get those guys you know, any conjecture along those lines is total guesswork. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what we do here on the Ranger Report. Is <laughs> <laughs> that's what Hot Stove Talk is all about, right? Yeah, that's that's what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> you almost spit up your tea. <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. Oh, what well, uh, I thought you were going to wrap it up. I you got oh, else yeah. Say? Oh, so Sorry. I was listening to the broadcast. Um, you know, I, pretty much half the games I watched, half the games I listened to, um, just depended on how much money I wanted to spend on live streaming TV. <laughs> and, um, if not, I just pop on the radio and be like, "Hey, I got Sandler and Hixie and, and Nadell. I mean, I'm I'm taken care of." And I was listening to uh, the broadcast tonight that y'all were talking about Cologne. And we talked about this with Hixie and uh, and with Sandler. You and you and Hixie aren't much cologne wearers, but he was telling the Agua de Jo story and how his wife didn't much like it. And that's one of my go-tos. So uh and and Jared's too. And so um so yeah, you 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 guys you're not much cologne wearers, huh? I know nothing about it. I, I could <laughs> not tell you what a single scent smells like. I couldn't recognize one. And if you gave me a list of them, I couldn't tell you which ones are the expensive ones and which ones are the cheap ones. I know nothing about it. I, I can give you a list of what I have, and it's about 12. And it depends really? on what – yes, it depends on what color I'm wearing, depending on what flavor of cologne that I'm going to wear. I wear cologne around the house when I'm not going anywhere. I'll tell you how long it's been since I wore cologne. I believe it was Jade East. The last time I bought a bottle of cologne, either Jade East or Canoe. You know either one of those? Canoe's good. They were both they were both pretty popular like back in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, I've got uh Chrome, I've got Agua de Joe, I've got Tommy Hilfiger, I've got Rain, I've got Oak, I've got um, I mean I can go on. <laughs> it just well, depends. Well, DJ, no offense to you, but I use soap. <laughs> and that's it. And I'm with Eric on this one. I think the last time I used cologne was like a couple of weeks after I got married, and I've been married for 25 years. So I just, she doesn't like it, so I was good with not using it. I, uh, I, I'm i just – if that's one of my quirks, then I'm fine with it. You know, if that's the major quirk that I have that I like to smell good. Yeah, that's a, that's a harmless little vice. Yeah. My, my number one memory of cologne with regard to baseball was with Johnny Oates. Johnny Oates used to wear a couple of colognes that I really didn't care for. Um, Musk, he wore one that was called not not Elon, but um, Musk. (laughs) He also wore. um, He was known to wear English leather from time to time. Oh, he didn't wear Stetson. I don't think Stetson. I think I think it was Musk and English leather, and I didn't like either one of them. Um, But Johnny was such a good guy; you're willing to put up with it. 
yeah, Johnny, uh, Johnny was Johnny was genuine. Yeah. Well, Eric, we really do appreciate the time during the off season you've taken with us tonight. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Looking forward to uh, things starting to happen in the next few weeks. Yes, sir. Start hearing what, some names coming to the Rangers. What are your offseason yeah. plans? Oh, by the way, we had Abraham Alexander on the podcast, and I got to sing with him. Oh, right. Or attempt yeah. attempt to sing with him. That's there's great. a you know I I can sing, but there's a different level between that yeah. kind of singing <laughs> and my singing. I mean, he's he's amazing. Um, you know, very good so guy speaking too. Of crazy, speaking of crazy things, you never expect to happen. By podcasting, you know, because of that too, Eric, he gave me tickets to his uh, show with the Black Pumas in Dallas, and I yeah. wound up going and seeing that show for free, and that was a great show. All right, yeah, we should see now. The Pumas are great too, but um, I've been spending the off season mostly in Colorado, and once it gets a little colder and snowier, we'll probably be back in Texas for the rest of the winter. And uh, I remember I was out here actually last year, the day that the Rangers signed Marcus Simeon and, and Corey Seager. We were interviewing Taylor Hearn that day, you know, <laughs> the day that all that happened. <laughs> we're closing in on the uh, on the deadline, you know, so we're not going to have a date like that this year, you know, where yeah. all of that stuff's going to happen in a 48-hour period. Um, but I'm hoping maybe there'll be a day like that where we'll be sitting here looking at the mountains and and read that the Rangers have just landed some some big-name pitchers. Yeah, and we're, we we were planning on going to spring training last year, and we had some sponsors lined up that were gonna they were gonna send us there. And then when the lockout happened, they they pulled out on us, so we weren't able to go. This year, we intend on being there, so we look forward to meeting you. All right, this, this spring, I'll probably be there for about half of March. It's usually how okay. usually how we do it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again, Eric Nadell. We appreciate it, sir. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Salute, sir. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.